give them extra time and attention. Remember to listen to your children, speak kindly, and reassure them. If possible, make opportunities for the child to play and relax. Need help and support? Please contact us at the hotline 311 Psychosocial Support at 722-6575 or 518-4157. Brought to you by PAHO, the OECS Commission and UNICEF. The opinions expressed on this TV program by the hosts, co-hosts, guests and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions and responsibility of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of UTV or its affiliates. Good afternoon and welcome to the revolution. More and more, the name is becoming more relevant, not because of me, but because of you. Not because of this show, but because of the times that we are living in. It is Tuesday, June 9th, 2020, and every day in politics, sadly, <laughs> like my Auntie Janice, Lady Janice always says, a day in politics is like a year. Some people say, you mean a month or a week? No, 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 a year. And you see how things can change from one way to the other. Nothing is certain except uncertainty. So, in these times, we must take the time to think of ourselves, our families, and also each other. I want to send a shout out first to the, Mr. Cornelius Lubin and Ulrich James. They are looking for type A positive blood. If you or your family or friends can donate, it would be greatly appreciated. The OKEU Hospital Blood Bank will be open on Wednesday. For that's tomorrow from 11 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. So again, an appeal for Cornelius Lubin and Ulrich James in need, in urgent need of type A blood. Now, folks, there are a lot of people who feel invisible right now, a lot of people who feel forgotten. Yeah, my father always has a saying, he says, there's a funny thing, whenever you're working, you get all kinds of job offers, but whenever you are not working, nobody calls you. If you ever don't message people or don't call them, see how many people forget you. And even if you didn't like the job that you had, the psychology of being productive or having something to do, and even if you want to take the time in your personal development to do other things, it has to be nerve-wracking to think of how long can you, can you look at the landlord or will the landlord look at you? Or will the bank look at you with your mortgage? Or will your employees look at you and understand that you can't pay them or the employers knowing that they cannot continue their business keep hoping for some sort of divine intervention? And sadly there are those who would use this, des these desperate times so that people will accept anything. Now I, for one, I heard about 
life will never be the same and I heard all these COVID experts talking about how life will change forever and the truth is I believe it's the exact opposite I believe life will go exactly back to normal the same way that it did after the influenza a hundred years ago immune systems will adapt people will get better um, at it they'll develop vaccines but at the same time you can't rush the brush you cannot force things to happen so that it can fit into your timelines. The arrogance of human beings is to believe that they can trump human nature. Trump, pun intended. And that is the sad reality. So when they can't do that, what they do is they gaslight. So somebody like Donald Trump will start off ignoring the pandemic and saying that coronavirus was a hoax. And then when it hits full bore, and he's shown to be incompetent, he then turns around and he's trying to diminish the 100,000 plus people that have died and reopen for business, everything, everything to distract. Such an acute case of narcissism. Down here, thankfully, the Prime Minister and the Cabinet were sufficiently scared to do something that they have not shown a pension for doing and they listened to the professionals and bravo to them for the health response. But it is the part where I think to myself, can you imagine you come off a cruise ship? People believe, well, when you work on a cruise ship, you have tons of money. You might have made some more money, but you also made the sacrifice. And now that you've made the money, you made the sacrifice, you know that within two, three months, you're going to need to make more money. If you're a singer, if you are a cook, if you work, however you're on the cruise ship, it doesn't matter. But when you, when you look and you say, boy, how do I survive? How do I reintegrate into a society where over 15,000 people are, are out of work just from hotels, just directly? That doesn't include taxi drivers, doesn't include vendors, doesn't include restaurants and bars. So many businesses have closed, not temporarily, but closed. And in the absence of stimulus, I'll make sure that you see that the Prime Minister himself admits that he has yet to deliver any kind of stimulus. What NIC is doing is a favor. And the worst part is when people like Mary Isaac stand up in the house and try to say that Anthony Isaac, the head of NIC, the chairman, was once on a labor platform. He was never on a labor platform. He was on a UWP platform because the very seat, Miku North, right, Dali Lebon and them were taking him around because they wanted him to run that seat and he walked all around and he did speak on a UWP platform. I'll play that another time for you. But the point is, just imagine, you, can't, you haven't paid your rent for two months, you haven't paid your electricity, you're not sure if the bill is piling up, you're not sure if you're getting an amnesty here or there. Your landlords now, even whether you pay or you don't pay, they still have to pay the mortgage. They can go and try and look for deferments, but these things are on an individual basis. You don't know your landlord's track record. They themselves don't know what's going to happen. So much uncertainty. And in the middle of all this uncertainty, at a time where so many, especially young people, need to know what's happening with their education, need to know how they can get, the, get back to some kind of job so they can pay some bills, they can do some this, that, and the other. People know that flow disconnecting, that your data, your internet, everything, your phone, your, your electricity, your water, all of these things, everything is up in the air. And yet, Prime Minister sees nothing better to do than to go to the polls. Well, all I can say is, folks, it should not be so. It's sad, it's unfortunate that a lot of young people are going to have to grow up fast because the generation that is now, my generation and those older, right, sadly have let us down when it comes to good governance because we are so hyper-partisan 
that even those professionals that know, you know what they tell you when it comes to Shastni? Uh, that's a door about a door. It happened already. Yes, the man broke the country. It happened already. So because he has the country broke, just accept it and let's try to figure a way out of it. Even though no matter what we figure out, he still doesn't have to do because he reserves the right to be counterintuitive and proud of it. So whether you like it or not, it has literally become a situation of you, the people of St. Lucia, or them, the friends, family, and foreigners, and the cabinet. It's sad, it should not be, but it is. Now on a lighter and brighter note, as I send a shout out to all those locked in on UTV on Facebook, and of course UTV on Instagram, UTV124 for both of them. I want to send a shout out to Miss Akuri of Denry. I'd like to show her photo. Miss Akuri of Denry is celebrated her 101st birthday yesterday um, down in Denry, and she is a great supporter of the opposition um, party. And considering the opposition party is the first party in St. Lucia, and many people don't understand why only one party for 80 years and then the UWP came in about you know, 30 years later. But in those days, I'm sure she could tell stories of George Charles fighting against the American, how the Americans were treating the locals on the base, and those how women were being abused when they used to bring coals on, onto the ships and other provisions and stuff like that. There was always a need for advocacy in St. Lucia, even when there was only one party. But congratulations to you. I hope you live to see another 50, 60 more. Yep, and only the good die young. So <laughs> I'm hoping that you have a little bit of vice. And that means I'm going to live to 200. Yes, sir. Um, I'll be a Highlander. But folks, there are those of us who are not so fortunate. And there are those of us who need attention now, need help now. We need so many things to be done now. And yet we are in four months of a state of emergency. So I thought we should start with the glaring, huge glaring contradiction of a state of emergency being extended for four months while at the exact same time trying to open for business and tourism. Or as the Prime Minister says, we're open but we're not open. There are also some responses to, to this press release and these new measures that are being put in place for uh, St. Lucia to reopen. Here's one I read. Um, well, let me look at this first one here. Colin, if you could just take us to this uh, computer on the side here. Um, the headline alone, and this is from onemileatatime.com, the headline alone, St. Lucia reopening to tourists, just don't expect to leave your hotel. Um, and again, this, this, um, this article actually has uh, quite a few of um, the, the, the text that was in the, uh, the press release that I just read. Um, but at the end, the bottom line, St. Lucia has fully contained COVID-19 and now plans to welcome back tourists as of June 4th, 2020. Tourism is an important part of the country's economy, so it's understandable they want to restart this. I'm impressed by St. Lucia's plan, and personally, I'd feel safe traveling there. The question becomes whether a visitor would be any fun with these restrictions. That's an issue that a lot of countries will face uh, once tourism opens. If you're looking to escape to a resort and, and nothing else, then St. Lucia could be a good option. Just don't expect to be able to do much beyond that. Um, what's even more interesting is some of the comments that we have here. Um, 
St. Lucia is a great country to drive around and explore, but these restrictions make it pointless. Why would anyone voluntarily submit to that? This sounds like a half-prison, half-vacation experience. It's as if these tourism-dependent countries and states, example Hawaii, have decided to commit economic suicide. Literally no tourists will come to any of these countries threatening jail-like restrictions. From St. Lucia here to even Iceland's risk of restriction if you test positive. Countries will very quickly realize this next month and fully open with just security theater restrictions, restrictions which will be easily ignored. Uh, luckily, that is a great summary. I'd feel safe traveling there. Unfortunately, feeling safe and being safe are not the same things. I am sure we will be seeing all these restrictions popping up everywhere. It is the classic example of expensive placebo approach. Um, in other words, unless you absolutely have to travel there, what's the point? And it just continues like this. The same type of comment from everyone. Uh, this article is from a, uh, a magazine. Um, a website in Australia, and this is what it says, okay? Uh, Caribbean Islands tourists' uh, rules reveal the problem of hotspots rushing to open. Uh, they don't put Guantanamo Bay to shame, and they are understandable. But damn, St. Lucia's new tourist rules and regulations are almost enough to put you off traveling until the pandemic is a footnote in history. Backing up a second, here's some context. Despite, the most, despite most people doing sweet beep all during lockdown to the point where we're getting experimental with our hair and beards, we can surely all agree we're going to need a holiday to unwind from the stress and pressures handed to us by the bat kiss. What better place to go than a Caribbean island, sipping on a cocktail or two while gazing out at crystal blue waters? Fortunately, we're assuming your interest was piqued. St. Lucia, a small island situated with, to the northwest of Barbados, has said it will reopen its borders for travelers looking to escape their daily stressors and find some sanctuary among sand and sea. That's because St. Lucia has said that even though it will welcome international arrivals from June 4th, anyone who arrives on the island will have to adhere to a strict set of guidelines that will prevent you from doing pretty much anything. Um, let's go. As reported by One Mile at a Time, St. Lucia will ask all guests to be tested within 48 hours of their flight and present a certified negative result at the check-in of the departure airport. One mile at a time was what we read first. Um, they will then need to wear masks for the duration of the flight, even if the particular airline doesn't make it a compulsory measure. The fun doesn't stop there. Once on terra firma in St. Lucia, guests will need to have their temperature taken and can only take an authorized taxi to their accommodation, booked by the hotel, of course. No ride shares, no renting of cars. Once you arrive at the hotel, you may as well make sure you've got plenty to occupy yourself with once inside the four walls. While you will be able to leave the confines of your room to explore the island, um, you won't be able to dine out anywhere at all. Restaurants will remain shut. The only place you can eat is inside your hotel of choice. And even then, you will be subject to a temperature screening at every meal. Now, it's said here about exploring the island, but then all tours are still closed and will be closed in the first phase. It's understandable that St. Lucia is, is determined to keep the island nation safe from any further outbreaks, having recorded just eight positive cases and zero deaths. But despite the 4th of June reopening, we can't find any flights from Sydney to Australia until July. Um, when you expect to pay in excess of 9000 Australian dollars for a return class seat. Okay. Um, 
So that's it. Basically, it's saying that this really is pointless again uh, to go to St. Lucia uh, for a vacation when you won't be able to uh, do anything. And then it describes um, this as it had it had a headline where it says um, St. Lucia's vacation is just basically looks grim. Okay, that um, even though you you can come here, even though it's open, then there's basically nothing to do when you get here. So what's the point of opening? So to what does that say about us as a people? And I'm not talking about the Maliwe or the middle class or the lower classes. I'm talking about the professional class. I'm talking about the SLHTA or whatever they call themselves. Now, what does it say when you want to foresee a situation like that, that it is pointless? It's pointless. And people saying after they were calling Shane, they're saying, well, we have to do something. We have to do something. It's like, the, you know the saying people say, you know you have to start somewhere. That doesn't mean that if you're building a house, you go and say you want to set the foundation in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Starting somewhere means that you accept the limitations, but you try to move the best way forward, best practice, innovate, that type of a thing. Not just do, throw caution to the wind and undo everything that you've gained. First of all, I'm sorry, but if you're telling me that you want to reopen and you've seen that you're getting negative press. So whereas you thought people would be like, yeah, we can go to St. Lucia, people are actually looking at us as being stupid because at the end of the day, we are not telling people come on vacation here. We're telling people come and pay your money to quarantine here. And all of the good parts of being in tropical island like St. Lucia are lost, but still come. Second of all, I don't know if we're making an ad for pest control. So, you know, come to St. Lucia and, um, you know, we'll take care of your termites. And here's our spokesperson, the little cockalorum. You know, that doesn't make any sense. We have all these models and beautiful people in St. Lucia. And damn you're putting, yes, yeah. No economic linkages. They can't go to hotels. They can't go on tours. They're going to have a specially designated taxi driver. And you know already the hotels are moving into the taxi sector through vertical integration. So all the taxi drivers out there are going to get stuck in that. You have, it's costly for us because we have to take the Ministry of Education, uh, sorry, of Health, now has to put set up at each of these hotels, and I don't know what they're going to do for the smaller properties as well, to have some sort of healthcare station and personnel at each of these places. Folks, I understand the urgency, and Shasne has successfully starved people to the point where they are desperate to do anything because nothing is running. But imagine the only thing worse than a shutdown is two. Imagine if all the other countries take their time and they reopen and they bam, they're good. And we reopen because we first in the world, first in the Caribbean, we want to reopen. And when we reopen, we get so many cases, we have to shut down again. And we still have the same amount of ventilators at nine. In all Chastney's time taken to campaign, you haven't heard him take time to augment the number of ventilators that we have in St. Lucia, if in case we get a second wave, first wave, third, third wave, whatever. I mean, let's think about that. And I know that you are hungry, people are broke, the economy is stagnated. But that is because Mr. Counterintuitive did not give stimulus. Bradley did not agree to stimulus. Stevenson King did not agree to stimulus. Sarah Flood did not agree to stimulus. Fede did not agree to stimulus. 
None of them, Estefan, none of them agreed to stimulus. Gail did not agree to stimulus. The entire cabinet told all of you all to sod off with your stimulus. And you'll get a little handout or t-shirt or they'll give you a yellow mask like Herod has for you. But no stimulus that could really help you. So they want to keep you dependent on them because they are in election mode. And yet still, when you try to listen to all of the different views, it gets even more ludicrous. Monitoring evaluation, I think that there are some people who are very cynical. What will happen come June the 4th? Well, June the 4th, uh, I think that date has come in the picture because there has been a lot of talk about our borders um, reopening. Um, now, that is, while that date has been put out there, Tim, you know, and, and, and we have to be kind of optimistic that we move into another level. In fact, St. Lucia has been seen as a sort of a leader in, in, in some of the um, um, actions that we've taken. But Tim, um, whether we can achieve what we would like to achieve, uh, the, ju the jury is still out on that. Because it's a sort of a trial run. A trial run for a month um, to see how it goes. For one, the airlines would need to want to come with a reduced load factor. Is it worth for them to come to St. Lucia with a reduced load factor? That's one of the things because the, the protocols are in places, the middle seat would, would not be utilized. The, the passengers would need to have their mask on when you get to the airport. Well, prior to that, they would have to produce a certificate that they would have been tested and they were negative 24 hours before coming on the flight. When they get to St. Lucia, they would have to have to check that. Is it, is it 24 or 48? I think it's 48. 48? Yeah. Uh, when it was discussed, I, I, I remember we were 24, but if you... Okay. Yeah, maybe it could be. Mm -hmm. um, when they get to St. Lucia, they would have, have the temperature checked. Every morning in their hotel room, they would have to get the temperature checked. Now, I'm thinking, if I'm coming on a holiday, do I want to, to, to go to that sort of stringent um, protocol every day? Mm -hmm. um, however, there's the other side where people would have been most probably cramped up in apartments for such a long period that they want to go out. Some of them have actually paid for their vacation. So the jury is still open on that one as to what kind of success we will see in that. However, um, you know, we must start somewhere, Tim. You know, we must take the, the step with the necessary purpose. It, important in all of that is protecting the health of our citizens. You're looking to open at least, what, 1,500 hotel rooms um, by, by June, at least, uh, by June the 4th mm -hmm. and so on. Uh, have you received any kind of commitment on the part of the some of the hotels that they will be operating by that period? Well, the last... The last um, report that came from the Minister of Tourism was that various hotels had indicated 45% um, bookings. Mm -hmm. As to whether people would follow up on these bookings in this environment is another, quest, is another you know, question we have to ask. Because many people would want to come to St. Lucia with a, maybe a special purpose in mind. Maybe to visit the Sulphur Springs, maybe to climb the Pitons, maybe to go to one of our heritage sites. Um, that not being um, you know, a, a possibility, would they still come? So these are the questions that uh, I, I know um, there's a lot of optimism as to, yes, people will come um, if we're the first and we can put certain things in place, but as to whether the people on the other end would want to come is, as I said, the jury is open on that one. Other countries will be very cautious about opening up their countries for international travel, but St. Lucia was very gung-ho. And St. Lucia was the loudest voice saying open up to international visitors. And we certainly did not 
and as a party, we would not want St. Lucia to be the guinea pigs for such a, 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 an experience. We do not think we should be arguing that St. Lucia should be opened up at this point. But St. Lucians, think about it. Think about this. Countries are all discussing opening up. But we heard one hotel, Harbour Club, announced it would be opening on June the 10th. And we heard Sandals announcing that it would be opening on June the 4th. And all of that was before decisions were taken on when the country will be opened up for international travel. It's almost as if some hotels already knew before the technical people presented all the templates to, to, to different stakeholders that they, will, they were going to open up the first week of June. It was not a secret to them. And it really makes you wonder if all the exercises we went through and all the discussions of the templates, it was not already predetermined that this is in fact when St. Lucia will open up to international travel. But what does that mean? And I'm a bit confused to, to the person who wrote this question. I'm hearing that St. Lucia is open only to visitors from the United States. And I'm asking, why only the United States? I mean, the United States is the most affected country in the world with COVID. New York was the epicenter in the United States. Most of our tourists come from the tri-state area. New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. And I'm trying to figure out why are we only open up to the United States? And I'm seeing in a lot of the printed stuff, visitors and the protocols that exist for visitors. And I'm wondering, is that a typographical area? And do they mean in visitors, returning nationals as well? Because all what I'm reading, and maybe it's somewhere in there, they probably have some explanation for returning nationals. How are we going to handle na returning nationals? Are they also allowed to return to St. Lucia? I would hope they are, and I hope I just have not read it as yet. But even before this program started, I was reading on some of the stuff that has been circulated, and I'm reading about what will happen to visitors. So let's assume everybody can, can come to St. Lucia from the United States, returning nationals as well as um, tourists who want to come to St. Lucia. Now, I also want, was thinking when I was reading it, Canada still closes its borders to visitors from the United States. But why is St. Lucia opening up to visitors from the United States when Canada, which is next door, if enhanced capacity compared to us, are not opening up? And then you have to ask questions about the treatment of visitors when they come into the country. And we, we, we're hearing that they will go into the hotel, um, they will, their temperature will be checked, um, they will not be able, they'll have to wear masks, they will have to... Um, you know, almost being kind of quarantined in the hotel. And you're really asking the question, why are we doing this so soon? The question for us is not if it should be done. We know that we have to open up at some point. But why are we rushing it? Why the haste in opening up our country to international travelers, and in particular to visitors from the United States? I cannot comprehend it. I would wish that we would wait we would act with due caution, placing our people first always. And when we are satisfied that the international threat has been severely reduced for us to then decide we're going to allow international visitors to come to St. Lucia. So what we did is said, okay, how do we now look at the possibility of reopening our borders? And we took the three things that had made us successful, contact tracing, testing, and social distancing and we worked backwards from the from from that and we said we needed to create a pilot phase um, 
And so June 4th is a date that we established to save the world. St. Lucia is ready. We're ready to open our doors. But we have a prescribed process to do that. Any person from anywhere who wants to come to St. Lucia has to be pre-tested. And it has to be a WHO or FDA uh, approved test. The only one that currently exists is the uh, um, PRC test, PCR test, sorry. Uh, that's the one where they do the swab up, up your nose. That is not readily available to the consumers anywhere in the world. Um, in America, for instance, you're only allowed to get it if you have symptoms. Um, and if you really push on an emergency cases basis and you have to get it, it costs 200 US dollars. Um, and it takes almost five days to get the results. So the reality is, is that uh, once that condition exists, nobody's coming. Currently, anyone who travels from Canada, when they return, have to go back into quarantine in Canada. The same thing in the UK. So no tourist is going to come to St. Lucia um, currently with the processes that we have. And we knew that. But we wanted to say to the, to the, the other countries that this is what our process is going to be. We've been working behind the scenes um, with the different pharmacies in the US to get what we think will be a rapid test. So the ability of a person going in and getting tested in less than 15 minutes. And that there'll be an electronic certificate that will be established, that will be gone to your, your um, phone. And it's an app which would automatically send that information to San Lucio, to which other countries going to be participating in the process. So the doors are technically open, but we're not open. The other thing is, and listen to me good, there are airlines in the U.S. We have the protocols, they have the, the, the laws and stuff that they do not travel to any country that is under any state of emergency. That's right. I don't know if you're aware of that. Absolutely, So yes. if <laughs> we have a state of emergency, the Prime Minister has brought it back to four months again. That's right. These flights, these airlines, we'll change, they are here. not going to come to St. Lucia. So, folks, it's funny, always funny to listen to the Prime Minister be on both sides of the argument. We are broke. We have extremely limited to no resources. But you're willing to spend the little resources that we have to no resources so that we can send a message to the world that we are open for business even though we are not open and it's garnering negative press. You saying that we are, we are expending resources working with pharmacy chains in other countries like I guess the United States or Canada or wherever to help develop a COVID app. That looks like something St. Lucia has the resources to do. We cannot even test hair like St. Vincent and Dominica and the other OECS islands. We cannot even test on a regular basis. St. Lucia, by the last update according to the CMO, was able to do 1,080 tests island-wide of 170,000 people. There are countries in the Caribbean doing two and 300 tests a day. We're still sending tests out of the country, but you want to develop a COVID app and give alert and work with pharmacies? I would love to believe that this one was just pure BS, but it's even scarier if it's true. And then you want, you want to send a message. And you see, the problem is, it, you know, we're saying that we are guinea pigs. And guinea pigs have resistance. But the longer you starve a guinea pig with no stimulus, is the longer it will take. And then, after a while, it will break. And you give it food, and they tell you, part of it may be poison, part of it may get you sick again, and part of it may be good. 
If you starve long enough, you'll take the bait. You'll take whatever it is. So right now, yes, I for one believe that the whole world will return to normal in terms of COVID. The social distancing, I'm sorry, in a two, three years will evaporate. When it comes to the elderly, there will still be protocols. But by then, whether it's vaccines or refined treatments, just like we do with everything, we, we overcome, we adapt, we change, and then something else will come. Another pandemic in whatever space of time. But having said that, we just needed to hold ourselves. Folks, if you had a hurricane and the eye of it sat over you for three days, four days, would you say, boy, you see me, I tired of that hurricane, and you just go and say, you go and sit down outside and start fetting, or go and start opening up your business and stuff like that? And that's for something physical there, but we also get in the physicality of people dying or infections, or people, I mean, in distress and the economic distress. Don't you find it strange that the same country that could not give stimulus while all other countries in CARICOM have, including Barbados and Jamaica, that are under IMF structural adjustments, is the same country that wants to turn around and be the first in the Caribbean to open up for tourists? And no orders, and Russell Lake will tell you, and the other callers to solutions tell you, oh, but what else can we do? Well, there's a saying, if there's a storm, sometimes all you can do is dance in the rain. If we cannot force tourism and force the world and force the airlines who will not come to St. Lucia, not even because of COVID, but because of our counterintuitive prime minister's extension of the state of emergency for four months, he has literally screwed up his own ability to open up for tourism because of politics but at the same time we know that airlines will not come to St. Lucia as long as there's a state of emergency and that makes common sense doesn't it but that being said again we have aging pipes all over the island losing 50 percent of the water for every gallon that's pumped we have a drought we have a water emergency Say that you're going to spend 30, 40, 50 million dollars on the aging infrastructure island-wide. The north alone is 50 million dollars. Y'all have not even started to desilt the Compton Dam. All y'all did was the site preparation works. Not 1% of it has been desilted up to this date. And 24 million dollars nobody has accounted for so far. You're not thinking of agriculture and crops that we could plant now, have farm labor support and irrigation programs. You're just cherry-picking projects to put in your favorite, your favorite contractors who are going to give you part of that money back in campaign contributions. Amazing. So let's go to the mirror now for even further confirmation of what we already knew. Plane passengers test negative for coronavirus before flying, then positive upon landing. A total of 12 out of 91 passengers on Qatar Airlines flight to Athens. Greece tested positive when they landed despite being screened before they boarded. You want more on that story? Let's go to the next one. However, Qatar Airways said that all passengers on the Athens on the Athens bound flight were healthy before they boarded the plane in Doha. Last one, Greece has suspended flights to and from Qatar after passengers on a flight from Doha to Athens tested positive for coronavirus. The Greek Civil Protection Authority said 12 out of 91 people on the Qatar Airways flight that arrived on Monday had tested positive for COVID-19. Following these epidemiolog epidemiological facts, flights from and to Qatar are suspended until June 15th, the agency said 
in a statement. So folks, like I said, the only thing worse than being shut down once is to risk being shut down twice. And in the meantime, we've already been getting negative press for being willing to open when everybody else is staying closed because our opening is basically saying, come and get extreme quarantining with us. And we are footing the bill. And up to now, nobody in the St. Lucia Hotel and Tourism Association can be open and honest enough to say that the cost of bringing people in and housing them here while we heavily subsidize. Imagine, huh? we have brought the VAT rate down. This government, and I understand that, brought the VAT rate down for hotels to 7%, 7.5% in the same sitting of the house that happened the other day. But at the same time, Think of the average cost per person that it must be. It's going to cost us hundreds if not thousands of dollars more per guest. We will be operating at a loss nationally to subsidize and help the tourism, our mainstay of our economy, no problem. But all the hotels are owned by private individuals. And at the same time, you can't get stimulus. Folks, the older generation is letting us down. But the young people can recognize madness when they see it. Anything now? Right now, what are you doing now? We're not mentioning no names. That one, we're just chopping that one for the people. Anything now? He wants to open the borders for tourists, And when he finishes, he goes to the Oram shops, Midman. He wants me to be inside for nine o'clock, Midman. And police come in and take me on the block, Midman. I'm telling you, Midman, 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 man, I'm telling you, Midman, 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 man, I'm telling you, Midman, 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 man, I'm telling you, Midman. Anything now? Special rhythm. But we are experiencing a public health crisis never seen before. And it has left many of us isolated, anxious, and afraid. And even though we are missing our families, our teammates, and our friends, keeping our distance ensures our safety. Why is protecting our loved ones? And by extension, 
our solution. Let us embrace the silver lining for what it is. A moment to reflect and chart a brighter tomorrow. We are 758, 759 and everything in between. And it is because of our resilience we shall persevere. We are all St. Lucian. We never give up. Let's do this together, apart. If you haven't checked out Ram J's Auto Parts as yet, what are you waiting for? We stock a wide assortment of older and newer model popular car and SUV parts. Suzuki, Toyota, Mitsubishi, Honda, Nissan, Mini Cooper and lots more. That's not all, Ram J's also stocks truck and heavy equipment parts. And if that won't help you, we also do heavy equipment rental to keep your downtime at a minimal. Ram J's Auto Parts is located Massad Industrial Zone Grocery. Contact us 450-0495 or 716-1400 or email ramj35 at hotmail.com. Welcome back to The Revolution. Folks locked in on 124 on Instagram and of course on Facebook and those of you locked in on channel 124 all around St. Lucia, those of you online locked in all around the world, thank you very much. Remember, it's Thursday's a holiday so I'm thinking we can do shout outs tomorrow. So if you do have any shout outs, just send them to 519-1818-758-519-1818. That's my personal WhatsApp and I'll do my best to get them all out tomorrow no matter who you are, no matter who you support. If you don't support, whether you can't stand me or you're okay with me or whatever, doesn't matter. I'm sending shout outs to one for everyone folks demolition you don't know what I'm talking about don't know what I mean well it's the government's way another fast and easy way of getting campaign finance giving demolition on contracts to illiterate contractors so that they can get the money back so that they can campaign yep it's an established practice of not both parties the United Workers Party started to be noticeable under Stevenson King after the demolition of St. Jude's and then the subsequent reconstruction or partial reconstruction of St. Jude's and has become their standard practice two, three months before elections. They always do this. Here's your reminder. May 23rd, 2020, and we are witnessing the demolition of the Royal Jail, one of the oldest known structures in the city of Castries. The St. Lucia National Trust says the demolition came as a complete shock. While the prison was previously scheduled to be demolished to facilitate the construction of the proposed Halls of Justice, the Trust has been advocating for the repurposing of at least parts of the existing structures as opposed to complete demolition. What is the point of dialogue when you reach an agreement and it's just discarded? The current structure that is, was, has now been demolished today was built between 1824 and 1827. It was during the period of slavery 
and it was actually built as part of what was known as the amelioration of slavery in St. Lucia because of the abuses on, of the, on, the slave, on the estates by slave masters. So this was more than likely built by slave labor. As it stands, we were unable to confirm who exactly authorized the demolition and when that order was given. No official announcement was made prior to Saturday's demolition. Although the contractor was on site, our attempts to seek clarification about the process were unsuccessful. While that may seem like old and stale news, if there's nothing this government doesn't like to keep you in, it definitely loves to keep you in a state of confusion, disorientation, governance by idiocy. But that said, let's go to the star so you have your reminder because obviously Rick Wayne would be in the loop because this has been promised for a while. Let's show the cover of the star there, yes. Um, <laughs> Your angel has the answers, quite appropriate in this case. Eh? Um, the old courthouse, printry, and CDC buildings. Note well, old courthouse, printry, and CDC buildings. PM outlines demolition plans. You see here again, Prime Minister Alan Shastny says administration, his administration proceeds with the redevelopment of castries. They are looking to build a new parliament building and high court. In an interview with his attache, Norbert Williams. Let's go to the last one. As you can see, and the reason I'm showing you that again is so that we can get to the breaking news. We can come off of that now. Breaking news. Oh no, not breaking news. Breaking down news. So folks, the staff of the printry are clearing out the offices now. Media, do not take my word for it. People, don't take my word for it. Go down there, try and see what you can film. They are taking it out. Now, why this is a priority? Why this is a priority, the printry happens to be one of the oldest buildings in Castries. Some say second only to the Royal Jail. The, but um, <laughs> the printry now has all the staff clearing out. Now folks, the printry, if there were a private printer who was sympathetic to the government and kissing their ass for the last couple of years, right? The, Kenny Anthony put in a new printing press in 2012. That, what's going to happen to that? Well, we've already seen what happened with privatization of fisheries. The same facilities seem to be given to the private person, even though it never went out to tender to any other companies. And we still don't, don't know who owns, as if we don't really know whose daddy owns Lucian Blue Ocean. But that said, the printry, which prints court documents, birth certificates, death certificates, um, registry documents, passport forms, posters, government inventory, government um, documents, folders, flyers, you name it. It's a gold mine, even though printing is going down around the world, just like newspapers are going down out around the world. For somebody who has a business model that whose time has become anachronistic, it would be a gold mine. 
But here's the other part that you have to know with the printry. Whoever gets to do the printing for government, even though government owns the building, it owns the printing press, it does not have that as a big liability on its hands. So why would it want to divest itself of that? We can only look for the ulterior, glaringly ulterior motive. Folks, do you realize that a UWP friend, family, whatever, FFF, is most probably going to be the one charged with printing election ballots. So if that person were to spell Herod correctly, but spell Hippolyte wrong and there's a typo, that could literally have lawyers challenging an election result, you know. In other words, think of the amount of potential for voter fraud that can come through a UWP hack printing election ballots, not to mention the gold mine that they would get from printing documents. But that's not the only part of the threat. You notice they've gone and they've attacked doctors, they attacked nurses, taxi drivers, minibus drivers, farmers, fishermen, and the list goes on and on. National Trust, conservationists, engineers, you name it, they've been attacked, divided and attacked. Well now, set your sights on the CDC, those who didn't want to hear, it was not said today, but it's been promised to happen before the end of Guy Joseph's term in office, which could be now, a couple of months from now, a couple of years from now, depending on if he wins, loses, if he's in opposition. I don't know. You listen for yourself. The media questioned Minister Joseph over whether the 70-year-old CDC buildings will remain a permanent fixture in the city centre. In response, the Castries Southeast MP noted that the government continues to expend more on the CDCs than it earns from the housing development. While noting that the decision to remove the CDC buildings will be a tough one, there will be some reprieve in the fact that the government is seeking to acquire lands in proximity to the city. He says the individuals who presently reside in the buildings will be relocated to whatever structures are erected on those lands. The biggest challenge, however, resides in the fact that apart from housing, businesses also currently operate in the CDCs. When we make the transition, the question would be, we would give the business people who are there the option to move. So in part of the redevelopment, what we have looked at is the area where you only have residential. So if you take the area from the town hall going back, where there's only residential, there's no commercial in that section. Maybe the first set of buildings we would put up, we would move these people who are in the residential to the new complex and then start building this new complex, then you can relocate the existing vendors and shopkeepers and people who make their livelihood from the activities of running a commercial business within the CDC. And then we can tackle the other phase. So I agree with you for the knocking down of the CDCs, and I expect these CDCs to be knocked down before the end of my term in office. Uh oh Mr. Minister. Hello. Do you know the difference between a leader and a ruler? And if not, I am guaranteed that the electric will teach you or will illustrate to you the difference between a leader and a ruler. You guys were elected to lead and not to rule. Thank you. So here's what the supporters of the government will tell you. They're not giving Shasne a chance. But are you getting a chance? So you've seen them knock down one building, 
Even when they gave their word and they had there were signatures to a legal document, you still saw them go ahead. As we speak right now, they're clearing out a building which is paid for, which has new equipment, and which has about 23 members of staff. So that's more people that might be displaced because if it goes to a private printer, and we all know where that's going, that private printer is not obligated to hire all of the workers there because he or she, like the magazine, would have had all of their own personnel already. Why duplicate that? What does that tell you, St. Lucia? More St. Lucians on the breadline at the worst of times. And then for the CDC now, once again, it's one thing if you're demolishing an area which you intend to build right on, but they want to demolish and here where they want to relocate people. If you're going up the Calvary on the right side after the, after the Gordons, before you reach um, the Folk Research Center Gap, on the opposite side of Rambali's there, the funeral parlor, that whole hillside that goes up and down, up and down, up and down, and be difficult to build on. They want to relocate the people there, but it was also an opportunity to buy for government to acquire, for the Chastney-led administration to once again acquire the land of one of the FFF, one of the friends, family, one of the elites of St. Lucian society to give them liquid for a piece of land that they were trying to get off their hands and they'd much rather have the money because then if they want to contribute to a campaign, say for the Prime Minister, then they'd have liquid, wouldn't they, coming from the state? They would have cash. You don't believe me. So imagine once again, the people now of the CDC, and look, nobody's arguing that you could not put better housing. There are people who are not financially well off. Many public servants in places like London, in the center of London, that have been given prime real estate housing as a reward for their public service over the years. But I can understand if you want to develop it, you want to put condos, you want to put this, that, and the other. But ask the folks of Talvan how people like Timothy Mangal have treated them. And ask and what arrangements were there before and what happened to those arrangements. And now, think about that. The people don't know where you're going to put them. You're talking about knocking down and the impracticality of building up at Mount Pleasant. Going, 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 so, so, so! <laughs> 
cheapest foreign visa online. Thank you very much. In addition to the Printry Parliament building and courthouse, the former home of the Folk Research Centre, the 16-acre Mont Plaza Estate, will also form part of the Castries Vision 2030 redevelopment project. In August, the government announced that the Printry Parliament and courthouse near Labry Street will earmarked for demolition to make way for the Vision project. The Mont Plaza property is located in Castries overlooking the city and harbour. Prime Minister Alan Chastney told the business community last week that the estate will be transformed into commercial facilities. The building of temporary buildings in 1951, many of those buildings are still standing. And we think that many of those buildings are structurally unsound. Um, many of them are remaining empty at this point um, and that we're not getting the proper utilization of that land in, in Castries. So we are uh, in the process of completing the, the purchase of Mount Hope, Mount Pleasant, sorry, um, which is 17 acres of land, and putting together a plan for residential as well as some commercial facilities up there, um, with the idea of redeveloping parts of the CDC area, um, the main boulevard where the Printry, um, the Parliament building and the courthouse are, um, as well as the Castries Basin. The Castries Vision 2030 is the brainchild of former Prime Minister Sir John Compton. The plan was to divide St. Lucia into four separate quadrants. A vision draft presentation is set for next month and will decide how best to implement the project. UNOPS is assisting us in bringing urban planners in and engineers to now make that project shovel ready. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, there have been several stakeholder meetings already um, and dialogue is taking place and we're expected to be able to get a presentation within the next 30 days from them um, as to their initial findings and this is certainly going to be the roadmap for us in terms of implementing the redevelopment of cast trees. The Prime Minister also disclosed that a United Nations agency will help the government develop a new developmental control authority in the next six months. Take the DCA out of the government and make it a statutory body. So it means the Ministry of Planning will be responsible for policy um, and the DCA would be the regulatory agency. Um, this is something that had been envisioned a long time ago, um, but they're now helping us to put the structure in place and to make that transition happen. And it's expected that that's going to take place, if I'm not mistaken, Nancy, within the next six months, um, that that's going to take place. Everybody run away from Mount Pleasant, but Chastney wants it. Huh. The property, folks, is hills and valleys. You can just walk there and you'll realize the 17 acres to put it in a state of readiness to use let us say even 60% of it, you'd have to spend a lot, a lot of money there. I spoke to Renault today. I did. And yes, I have his permission to play the conversation I had with him on this show. I want you to take a listen to Renault Gajada, to whom an offer was made for that same land. Take a listen to Renault of them contemplating to either acquire 
or to buy that unpleasant property. I know you are acquainted with it. What do you think of that decision? Well, I did not even hear that government was interested in that project mm -hmm. or, or that property. Um, that's the first time I'm hearing this. Okay. However, um, I, you, you obviously must have heard that it was offered to me. Yes, I know it was. Yes. And um, it was offered to me at a very good price. A but cheap I price, a cheap to, price. Yeah, a very cheap price. Uh -huh. um, but I refuse to take it because of the cost of developing the property. Mm -hmm. Very beautiful property, great location overlooking the, the city and so on. Um, for a private residence, um, it's great. But if you were to develop it into lots or develop it into property that you are going to resell, it's going to be extremely difficult and expensive because of the terrain, and that is why I did not take it. Okay. So you're saying that it's, it's in the property uh, because of the terrain. I know it's undulating. I actually visited the site, and I saw it's like up a hill, down a hill, up a hill, down a hill kind of thing. And to get it flat can be a little bit. But you have equipment. Why didn't you accept the offer? Because, you see, apart from the equipment work for flattening it, you have a lot of retaining structures, which is going to be expensive. Okay. So, yes, the equipment is easy, but the, the additional retaining structures is what's going to be very expensive. Mm -hmm. And you know, when, when, you, when you do the calculation, sometimes it's better you buy a nice piece of flat land mm -hmm. um, at double the price of what I would have paid for there, or maybe triple the price of what I'd pay for there. Mm -hmm. um, but the infrastructural work um, necessary for this property um, would not be there, and the other property would have been much cheaper for you to, be, to develop. Something is not right. I just felt that there was a motive, and so I decided I wanted to know who the property owners are or owner is. Folks, this is a map of the property. In the center, you have the Folk Research Center. I think it's parcel 524 and 523. And the bigger piece is parcel 524, measuring about 17 acres. It is registered in the land registry as block 0849E. Parcel 524. The Folk Research Center is Parcel 523. I will now show you the land register for Parcel 524, which is the 17 acres that was spoken about or government expressed an intention to acquire. This is the land register of the 17 acres that Shasta is looking to acquire at Mount Pleasant, it is vested in the heirs of Mary Irma DeVoe. Let me say this again. It is vested in the heirs of Mary Irma DeVoe. So it is very safe to say that the land belongs to the DeVoe's. The land in question that Shasta wants to buy, acquire, whatever, belong to the divorce. 
You can take it down. Lord have mercy. You know, I want to know when when will the poor of this country stop subsidizing for want of a better term the rich in an effort to ensure patient and first responder safety the saint lucia fire service has reviewed its patient transfer procedures especially for patients with respiratory distress face masks will be provided at no time during transportation should the face mask be removed please be patient and cooperative during this time to ensure you receive the best possible care while keeping our first responders safe Welcome back folks now there is one set of people that absolutely loves Shastney and that is the rest of the cabinet because no matter what happens to them no matter what they do no matter what their deeds or misdeeds more to the point are they know that between Shastney and Guy that their antics their deeds and their misdeeds will always get the lion's share of coverage because they are the ones willing to speak to the press shamelessly while the nice guys or those who have a nice demeanor except for when they're down at Doolittle's or whatever or when they're with certain people certain places they get to hide behind do all of the same things be involved in all of the same things accommodate all of the same things but at the same time they're in your political blind spot and you see them as you know, nice guys they're just doing the same thing, but in a more tactful way. I wanted to, absolutely wanted to be here this morning because local government is the backbone of a country. And I think that um, when my government came in and we had written our manifesto, you will notice that in our manifesto there's a sig significant amount of discussion about local government. Town Council. The concern $38,000. ECM. EC that you were alleged. Alleged to have caused the town council to have spent at my behest, to, to my benefit. To run the campaign of 2011. Correct. Right. Um, uh, the, it was for breach of fiduciary duty and misfeasance. And when I had to look for somebody to take on that challenge, I couldn't think of a better person in, in the Honorable Spider Montoon. When I met with him, and he said, why me? Um, and I said, because you have the right temperament. But if you ask me for my views, I will tell you, I would, if it was left to me, if it was left to me, I would totally be nice. I call that justice. I call that equity. And that there is a level of empathy that he has, particularly for the more vulnerable people in our society. You'll have a lot of crime to do. I'm telling you. We are going to see to it that they continue to cry because they know that I, 
as we do what we are supposed to do, with every step, we are burying them deeper and deeper. Every time that we had a project or anything that we were going to do, the person that stood up to make sure that the more vulnerable people and the less fortunate in our society were being protected and that the little man was being protected was, was, was Spider. They say that I victimize poor people. Well, speak to the poor people that I victimize. I think that Spider and myself also agree. Now Spider and a few others spoke about friends, family, and foreigners. We represent family, friends, and foreigners. And I don't know if any of my colleagues want to back away from that, but I think we should. That's what we should represent. The investment that we're looking for, we prefer to have foreign investment. And that there is a level of empathy that he has. I, I tend not to over, uh, overburden myself with, with too much. Leonard Spiderman Toot has been accused in the past and is presently accused of being absent in his constituency of Groselet. Most times arrest citing, they say. And he responds. I recognize that that is a complaint. I recognize the need to do my best to uh, ameliorate that situation. We're not by Yonikadi. We're not here Spider. We're not here Stevenson King. They're not on board. Well, I'm going to tell my phone on board. And I don't give a f. 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 And you see, no matter how much these things happen, the thing is that because Spider is part of an amoral party that basically doesn't care about his conduct, how he treats people or anything, it's all about let's make a deal, then it doesn't really matter. My father says, glass in your ass, people misrepresent part of it, but the point of it still comes through. He pays the price at the polls. He pays the price. Spider, nothing for that. But just ask yourself, if this were Philip Pierre doing this, if this were Alva Baptiste doing this, if this were Kenny Anthony doing this, if this were Emma Hippolyte doing this, what would you have said instead? Hmm. Hmm. And then comes the achievements. So let's show Grosley. 2017. Grosley Enhancement Plan, this is for the toilet facility, a comfort station. 2017, there's videos of them walking around and they had money for it. And just so everybody who supports Spider and the United Workers Party knows, there was no COVID-19 or coronavirus in 2017. So let's show the updates. That's from yesterday. There we go, folks. There we go. There we go. I remember times they used to have people babysitting in other facilities and stuff like that, but there we go. For UWP's counterintuitive governance, progress is to regress. So, where should we go now? Well, I do know that Emma Hippolyte got her hat handed to her from Grosley residents who were very frustrated. And she would point out to you that she did not get the resources that she needed for not the largest, because Schwazel is, I think, the largest constituency, but the most densely populated constituency, who and the wear and tear on the roads from construction, tourism, just the amount of people going up and down for business. She used to take her entire allocation from CDP, where other people would end up doing more footpaths and stuff. And apart from one bridge in, um, in Corinth, Asu Canal side, 
Everything else was spent on roads. She did 19 miles of roads in the five years. And the people said no. And Spider got his, you know, he got to come back into office because he exposed. Right? You remember that? And now, no, no. It's 2017. He's gotten back into office. Let's listen to him talking about roads. When are you going to see about fixing our roads where all our vehicles are going down in the holes? And that main carpeted road to our homes. Okay. Uh, that need to be fixed and fixed immediately because we can't take any more of that. And you know now nobody's getting a salary. So we need <laughs> to, to fix our vehicles. You know, we just bought our vehicle in this morning for repair. So we need to fix that. And we also need to get some of that bush and the trees. The weather is now getting bad. We're in the hurricane season. You need to send the step people to cut all the bush along the roadside that cap, cap people of human beings too, you know. Thank you very much, Carl. Uh, let me just respond to this, Rick. Um, let yeah. me just assure the, the caller that now that the budget process has been completed, yeah. um, just awaiting for the allocation of funds to the various ministries have already made representation to the ministry of infrastructure of course i will not be in a position to address all roads this year and while we but, have, so, but, but many of our roads will get attention while, while i have yeah. it captured yeah please do something about the drains well yes because we take all kinds of steps at the start yeah. and the, those drains are badly kept and the water just so please i'm taking note so i'm I taking note and let me just say let me just say that um the caller ended by saying that people at cap estate are people too uh, i am one of the parliamentary representatives who happen to be mindful of that fact if she recalls i may be the only parliamentary representative who in fact did major roadworks in cap estate given the fact that previously it was always referred to as private roads talk to me please good evening rick how are you i'm doing? good Good evening, Minister. I'm very happy to see you here. Good evening. How Thank are you. you? I'm doing fine, thanks. Well, Minister, I am not fine. I want to join the bandwagon also and say, we in Piat Grand Riviere, Fortins Hill, we had a meeting with you just before election. You promised us, guys, yes. if I'm put in there, yes, I will come and fix you all up. Minister, right. we're still waiting. Our okay. He just gave you the, the, the budget answer. He get that to you. No, but let's, no, let's, let's I be... Do we risk that's a little more than that, you know, because Minister Call made on. a lot of promises, and we are still waiting. So much like all the other solutions who heard about this fabulous road tax for a government that had two gas marches, right? The UWP and the Shastney had two gas marches looking for $6.80. They couldn't find it and up to this day cannot find it. But instead they put a $1.50 and they say they put it in a lockbox so it will be dedicated to roads. Up to now, nobody knows what roads were ever done with that money or if that money ever existed because we've never gotten a total. And the leader of the opposition, Philip J. Pierre, has made a constant call for an update of those numbers because the whole country has been crying for roads and now months and weeks before elections as in cabinet just yesterday they met with the electoral commission first thing cabinet normally starts at 10 but they started at 9 because they wanted to make sure to have the electoral commission there because they want to call snap elections and they paving roads left right and center you don't believe me after four years of neglect 
starve you until you are grateful to be fed by the same person that starves you? Listen to our Honorable Prime Minister. My friend Spider is out busy every day now. His roads are coming out. Yeah. These are projects and programs we've worked on from day one. Yeah. These are not last minute right. things. In fact, people have complained to say, oh, you've been talking about them, but nothing's happening. Well, they're here. Yeah, it's, they, it's happening at the right time. Yeah. And to say to all solutions, stay strong, stay safe. And the good thing is, it is not elections uh, uh, happenings because we're way out of a year or more of elections. Well, Yes, Champagne. It's not election projects. It just so happens that they're only happening all synchronized all over the country in all UWP constituencies predominantly and all happening while y'all are advertising. Ezekiel have ad. Um, what's the name? Gail has an ad. Chastney has an ad. You see them going around the country with their yellow shirts. No, no, no. It isn't exactly what it looks, sounds, and feels like in the middle of a pandemic where people are suffering economically. People are suffering people don't know what's going on with employment they don't know what's going on with healthcare, with education no 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 but you see for the people of Groselais while you could not get roads done for the last four years and now mere months and weeks before elections spider is now going to do a ton of roads all over a ton of roads even though even if he does a ton let's face it Grosley, like I said, might not be the largest constituency, but has the most um, people, in the, that, so the roads needed attention for the last four years. But Spider, being the nice guy that he is, he did do one road out of the bottom of his heart. He made sure that if no other roads got done for the last four years, one road would get done. No, 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 not the road in Piat. The people in Piat had to do a self-help thing. They had to hire a roller. They got the tar. They put their money together. And people like, you had photographers like Kirk Elliott and others, residents in the area. They had to do their own thing, even though they pay taxes, which should have gotten them good roads. And they also have the gas tax, which should have gotten them good roads. But Spider didn't do that road. He had one priority, the highest priority. The people... Sorry, 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 I spoke wrong. Spider took his time in the four years that he could not deliver roads for anybody else to make sure to pave a road in concrete directly to his own personal land, him and his brother. And even in that pocket area, just in Beauceju, where there are roads on the left of it, roads on the right that are all in deplorable state and shape, even if you want to say that he was trying to service the neighborhood, he turned the road away from the five homes that were there and made sure it went right up and i know you don't believe me i know you don't here's your how are you i'm doing fine thanks well minister i am not fine i want to join the bandwagon also and say we in piat grand riviere Fortins hill we had a meeting with you just before election you promised us guys yes. If I'm put in there, yes, I will come and fix you all up. Minister, right. we're still waiting. Our okay. is it, he just gave you the, the, the budget answer. He get that to you. No, but let's, no, let's I be... Do we, that's a little more than that, you know, because Minister Corner. made a lot of promises, and we are still waiting. The community had an outreach through its exec uh, to concrete and aggregate, which who donated uh, a couple of yards of bitumen, and we also got a very healthy discount from reliable tool rentals for the compactor that we are using to compact uh, this material onto into the many holes in the road. 
So when are you going to see about fixing our roads where all our vehicles are going down in the holes in that main carpet state road to our homes? Okay. Uh, that needs to be fixed and fixed immediately because we can't take any more of that. And you know now nobody's getting a salary. So we need <laughs> to, to fix our vehicles. You know, we just bought our vehicle in this morning for repair. So we need to roadside that cap, cap people of human beings too, you know. So then the question becomes, why is it so acceptable to have a double standard like this in St. Lucia? Why is it that if the Labour Party candidate were to even come close to having the suspicion of doing something like this? It's like Fede when he had his conversation with Sire. If that happened to a Labour Party candidate, all of would have that part, that person would have to resign. When it was Walter Francois, he was removed from the cabinet. And for what? Because he did not have his doctorate, but people are calling him Dr. Walter Francois. Eubolus was choking his chicken big time and stayed for three years. And only when he resigned, he nothing, no double, double standard. What? Conflict of interest, left, right, and center in this government. You have a minister of external affairs that has a passport covering company inside of the ministry of Ex in the passport office. And nothing for that. Nothing for that. Now you have a minister, CDP contract, and let them say I lie, I have it at home, I have the document, don't worry, I've showed it before. I'm telling you that the best, no roads for anybody. He all over, um, what's it, Larry Tret, as they're doing the little bridge there, Jacob and so on, doing the bridge. He's all over there doing house to house now. And I don't know if he saw any kids napping. I don't know, let, let me, just let me know, Spider, if when you're doing house to house, if you see any kids napping. The story of an alleged kidnapping and subsequent cover-up and bribery in the island's north has garnered immense public attention. I know Snyder for a long time. I know Snyder a long time. Grosley MP Spider Montoot, who does own a farm. I was them when his birthday, they give him a big session there, like for seven Sundays, giving his friend there, we could out there, chill out and have a nice time. What are you referring to? It would be a police matter. Why saying like Saturday I spoke to Spider so nice. Told him I come from before and buy some drinks for my birthday. So I told him like um on the twentieth of July last month is my birthday. I want you to come and drink some beers with me. He tell me yes. 
you tell me he's said how to go down, you put on by some wrong too. I said, okay. Is the supposed involvement of a minister of government during and after the incident. That's the reason why everybody was so surprised to hear. Montut replied to alleged claims that a man was kidnapped, taken to an isolated farm and beaten. Like the composition, we, we have start like about what I wasn't expecting to happen to me with Franklin because I know I'm so close to him and the person he bring to go with me and do me them kind of mischievous thing. He tell me, okay, um, I'll take care of that, I'll take care of that. Kidnapping um, took place on a farm owned by you. Is there any truth to that or have you heard any reports for that? Well, what you're referring to it would be a police matter. He know when the fellas reach on the farm with me, he call. Well-placed sources can also confirm the involvement of six, a third individual who remains at large. They're going to make pig eat me. You think a man will just stay alive and a pig will just eat him? But obviously you have to kill that man and, 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 and drop him in, in the big pain and let the pig eat him. Freedom to the pigs, Errol. They will go through bone like butter. You need at least 16 pigs to finish the job in one sitting, so be wary of any man who keeps a pig farm. They will go through a body that weighs 200 pounds in about eight minutes. That means that a single pig can consume two pounds of uncooked flesh every minute. Hence the expression, as greedy as a pig. And I would strongly suggest to you that if you want information on a, a matter like this, you should speak to the police. Um, the two of them, I sit down in the middle, one sit on my right arm, one sit on my left arm. So I could not do anything. So they, they have both hands, they can hit me the way they want, helpless. I could not do nothing. I was helpless, I was helpless, I could not do nothing. Just two men hitting me, and one man holding me on my shoulder with a cigarette. Don't man my shoulder with a cigarette. And when I told him, because the van shaking, he told me, don't touch me. I tell you, don't touch me, because all the time, rough with the van passing, punch me by my ribs, punch me on my stomach. Because I helpless. They sit on my hand. So the van shaking, my, 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 my foot shaking, the man do wonder. So if a van driving and a man helpless, you will see the one is out. Obviously, my, 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 my foot have to shake. Punch me on my eye again. He done punch me all on my eye, my chin, burn me with his head, almost break my ribs, try and break my little finger. Up to now I cannot really use it. I just said to myself, I know who is that man, Ricky, I heard what he do already, and I say from the time they leave the Bexon Road to go to Vana and go in that hole with me, I know from the time I reach in that hole, I finish there. Because no houses, nobody else could have ice cream, nobody could not have. From the time I reach in the hole, I said, one thing I say, I say, Father, from the time they swing, I say, Father, please help me, make me 
get out of that, please. And the Lord hear my, my prayer. He bury a man alive and put a pin on the um, grave. Then I heard like he cut a man to arms. Ricky had a shotgun by his waist. And then he tell me, I'll blow off your head. And then he said, I don't want you to say anything again. I'll fly two of their teeth in front of them. So I just surrendered it. Well, I think about my whole entire family because they know I'm a loving person to them. I come there and make everybody laugh. I give jokes with them. But one thing I remember in the morning when my mother was going to church, before she go to church, I bring some veg bar, I give she ten dollars, and then after church she come back, she do see me there. I think about a lot of things. I think, well, I'll never see my family again. I mean, like, I'll never see my family again. And they will kill me, nobody in my family don't know where that farm is. NBC Prime has learned that one of the ministers we questioned was at the First District Court office on Monday afternoon. In fact, we also learned that this minister was involved in the bail process for at least one of the accused, either through payment of that bail money or providing surety. For me, if a minister said he's a minister, he should never, ever sit down in a courthouse and bail one take bail for criminal should never ever want a bill for criminal when they have the um, country work to do in office and criminal do what they have to do let them face the sequences on behalf of their own name so people of Grosley in fact indeed people all over San Lucia as the government is trying to have elections in the middle of a state of emergency, the question you have to ask is, can you get better representation? Is this the best that you deserve? Or are you satisfied with the representation that you have? Does it matter what anybody does if you support them or their party? If I, for example, am a Labour Party candidate, can I do whatever I want and you'll support me or make excuses for it? If I am a UWP candidate, can I do whatever the hell I want and you will accept it and excuse it or find reasons to twist it and try to make a negative into a positive? So if I were to go in the boulevard in the middle of the day in Castries, William Peter Boulevard, and I were to blow the head off of a nun with a 12 gauge and chop up her remains with a cutlass, would somebody say, boy, that man really know how, at least Hunt know how to, to work a cutlass. Yeah, man. That's a, that man even give no pakot ladder. That man stretch up. Huh? That's a chop the thing fine. What would you say? It's okay if I'm, if I'm a labor and, or, or it'd be egregious if it's one side that does it and not the other. Folks, this is what the revolution calls for. It calls for us to think for ourselves and establish common ground before we lose the little ground that we have left. 
And folks, if you don't know, you are losing it. For all those who've been messaging me, asking me if what Mary Isaac passed in terms of the health regulations for licenses, as this government committed in the IMF report of February 2020 to, ex to increasing its tax base, it's not just about taxing you and getting you to register and be part of a, if you have a room under your house that you're renting or a house or an apartment that you're renting that you built with your own blood, sweat and tears that the government now wants to tax that room and if you don't register that room and, or, they, or you register it and you don't tell them, tell them they can jail you for up to four years, fine you $100,000 or both, it's also licensing because they're going to get money from licensing to show the IMF and others that even though they rinse out all their money on Ernst & Young and Fresh Start and Ojo, they're still paying Ojo right now is in this year's COVID budget. But you have tens of thousands of solutions unemployed at home and nothing for that. So now... Let's go after the poor again. Take the time to reduce VAT for the hoteliers to 7.5%. But in the meantime, let us try to draw blood from a stone, the people who have nothing left. That same night, y'all will not believe that Shasta passed another piece of legislation, SI-80, of 2020 I could not believe it could you put it up please it's called the public health offensive and hazardous trades regulations public health offensive and hazardous trades regulations folks when I saw this I could not believe it I want to read a couple sections to you so you will understand. Hear this word interpretation under section two. License means a person whom a license has been issued under regulation eight. License means a person to whom a license has been issued here what you need licenses for offensive or hazardous trade include i wouldn't i wouldn't read all them eh? but i'll read some of them chicken farming license slaughtering of animals or poultry license operation of slaughterhouse license poultry processing establishment license Poultry farming, license. Lime making, license. Um, fiberglass works, license. Fish processing, license. Foam making, license. Glue paint, <laughs> glue paint making or processing, license. Asbestos work, bleach manufacturing, Automobile repairs, automobile repairs, spraying automobile, furniture or industrial spraying, spraying automobile, furniture or industrial spraying, painting, painting or photography trade, jewelry repair, 
joinery or woodwork, animal or pig farming, waste recycling, charcoal making, charcoal making, welding plants, and other activities which may... <laughs> Folks, Daniel Alexander said chicken frying. For all of those, you need licenses. You should not take it down, um, Mr. Technician. I'm going to other sections of it. Hear this well, folks. Hear this well. Hear this well. I mean, I just cannot believe this. Restrictions of carrying offensive or hazardous trade. A person shall not establish or continue an offensive trade, and the offensive trades are those I listed above, that's section 3, eh? without a valid license. Statutory Instruments number 80 of 2020 is titled, quote, Public Health Offensive and Hazardous Trades Regulations 2020. It is an amendment to the Public Health Offensive Trades Regulations number 11 of 1978. The regulations state that an individual who practices one of more than 29 different trades listed in a piece of legislation must require a license to continue practicing. Regulation 3, sub-regulation 1, says that, quote, a person shall not establish or continue an offensive or hazardous trade unless that person holds a valid license, end quote. Subregulation 3 adds that a person who contravenes subregulation 1, quote, commits an offense and is liable on summary conviction to a fine not exceeding $5,000 or a term of imprisonment not exceeding six months, end quote. The 29-plus trades include chicken farming, fat rendering, fiberglass works, fish processing, quarrying, waste recycling, charcoal making, photography, and incineration. Practitioners of the listed trades are expected to submit an application, including detailed drawings and other technical specifications. The drawing must be drawn to scale and include space allocated to store finished articles, passageways, means of ventilation, and the water supply, among several other details. All applications will either be approved or denied by an approved board after the necessary inspection of the premises. Under Regulation 7, Subregulation 1, it states that, quote, the board may grant an application with or without conditions or refuse to grant an application, end quote. Subregulation 2 says that the board shall not grant an application unless it satisfies several benchmarks, including issues of disposal of waste, drainage, sanitation, among others. Licenses granted under this regulation are valid for a period not exceeding one year and expires on the 31st of December each year. Regulation 10 explains that the license is non-transferable to any other location. Regulation 13 says that the board may suspend or cancel a license if any regulations are contravened. Licensees are expected to engage in daily cleaning as well as undertaking necessary repair to the facility. No one is allowed to sleep on the premises used in connection with the hazardous trade except a caretaker. It also adds that no one under the age of 15 is allowed on premises that are licensed for carrying out an offensive or hazardous trade. Regulation 19 speaks to fees. It says that a fee of $50 is needed for an examination by the Department of Environmental Health. 
a fee of $50 if their license is granted for a period shorter than one year and a fee of $100 if the license is granted for one year. The public outcry has mostly been about the timing of this new licensing regime coming into effect with no prior public notice in a time of national economic distress. Hi, good afternoon, Timothy. Good afternoon to you, caller. I am forced to call Newsteen again. Why? Because, Timothy, I am not understanding why Mary Isaac, an unelected member of parliament, has the authority to decide if I want to scale fish. I need a license. I don't know how Mary Isaac, a senator, an elected, an unelected person, that the people of Kashri South did not want to represent them, decides that she will criminalize 90% of St. Lucians because this government, and I mean the administration of Alan Chastney, has done absolutely nothing to create employment on the ground for the people that are not into the formal sector. And when I say the formal sector, I'm talking about the government of St. Lucia, the insurances, the, the, the hotels and whatnot. Their people had to get creative. So they scale fish. They make coals. They well get. Ma'am, what about the... What about the, the hold on, hold on. What about the legislation that you don't like? Because... What as, about as, the legislation I don't like? Hold on, ma'am. Hold on, please. It's me that call to say hold what on, I don't like. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't try and make me see what I like and what I don't like. Hold on. I don't like the entire I am, legislation. I am at work there, so I'm asking you some questions. You have a difficulty with me asking you questions? You Hello? You need to about it, T. Murphy. You're asking me questions, but you're not asking Mary Isaac what is the rational for this. So I'm asking you. Because since you're the one who called the program and asking okay, you, I'm listening. What, me. what difficulty do you have with um, the, 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 the SI in particular? Timothy, uh -huh. let me explain my difficulty. Let me explain my difficulty. My difficulty is, why do you want to tell me I should go to jail or I should be fined if I decide I'm going to scale fish to sell? Explain that to me. Okay, but you have, you have, can you make reference to the area of, of the SI? That is said fish processing. What processing people do here? They clean fish, they got fish, they wash fish, they sell fish. This and, is fish processing. And that deals with the Public Health Act. Okay? Um, no, hold on, Timothy, hold on. It cannot be Timothy. a... No, no. Listen, listen, Colin. If you have a situation where, for example, people sell items that are contaminated, um, and then people go out there and consume it, and all of a sudden, people lose their lives and so on. People become ill. What that, would be said? Explain to me. So let me ask you a question in return. How many years they sell in fish by Sansusi and by Viewport Port? And how many people have been contaminated by fish? And how many people have had to, a problem? I'll answer, answer that, that question I'll, I'll, I'll answer that this way. When was the last time we had a pandemic? So the pandemic now... I'm just saying to you, so it's one day, it's just one day something happens into people getting poisoned by scaling fish well i'm just is saying that to what you you're telling me timothy let me say it clear mm. this pandemic is a scapegoat mm. it is a scapegoat and joe come and tell me when did we have a pandemic when did the pandemic translate to cleaning fish and making coals and welding welding and fixing the figures um, cars by the road the same people that that government has done absolutely nothing for them to eat they will turn around and tax them because they spend all their money and now they want to get it back. The same poor people, they want to come back and tax. Okay. Don't come and tell me about 
since when we had a pandemic? Since when did anybody get food poisoning from buying fish by the road? Now, folks, we open the lines. As though it's late, we'll try to get at least one call in, two calls in, 5727588. But, folks, I want you to think about the implications. Nobody has a problem with standards. You have a bureau of standards. And it'd be nice to have standards, but why now? And think about it. You, in order to develop standards, it's a long process. Most of these businesses are run out of people's homes. Their cottage industries literally run out of their homes. You're saying that people cannot sleep on the premises. They have to have a caretaker. So that means you have to have a security guard. That means you have to get blueprints made. You have to get an architect to show how your business is ventilated and all the rest of that. And if you move your business, you have to get that again. Think of somebody doing nails. You know, they come and they say, I want to backfill. You know what I want? I want the, the, the tips like what Rihanna have. And, like, and you can't do that at home. You cannot do that at home. You can't put eyelashes, you know them, super long eye, none of that. You can't put weave, bonded weave, Beyonce style. You can't do that underneath your house and apartment, nothing, you can't. You have to get licensed. At the same time that the government is breaking its ass to give sandals, windjammer, um, all these hotels all around the country, Royalton, Coconut Bay, Cotton Bay, 7% on VAT. Doesn't make any sense to me. But at the same time, the government wants to prove to the IMF as Shastne tries to win an election so he can go full board to the IMF, use the state of emergency to tamp down the opposition, and more importantly, at this point, the civil servants, so they cannot strike or cannot do anything, and then they're going to turn around, after all of that, win an election, and the day after Shastne, all those who think you can curse Shastne and shout at him, and he cares. Shastne was never particularly liked. They microwaved the electorate to hate Kenny, no problem. That worked. But Shastne doesn't care. Shastne has been somebody who has been derided and gotten negative attention from the time he was a boy and people thought that he was special needs. But the, and that's why he has a certain disdain for this country. But Shastne just wants to win nine seats by one vote each. And that is why you have to stand up because if you're telling me a lady burning, making coals right we'll have to submit an architectural plan and cannot sleep anywhere near the premises of that business folks it's not i mean that's unsustainable at the very least unsustainable but you know what folks there is a plan there is a plan let me let me let you hear a little bit of rich it seems that they are on the back foot no 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 sabaka kafet setlisi and shasne if I have to lead the charge, I will lead it. We will, I will lead the charge. We need around the island anti-Shastney campaign. This is nonsense. Ensign Kids, the Prime Minister, he declared a state of emergency, called his elections, had an advantage over the, over the opposition Labour Party in St. Kids Nevis, and then beat them 10-1. Pass it, this is a cafetla. Pass it, this is a cafetla. It will not happen in this country. We need to take our country back. Certainly, we don't need permission to drive. You don't need a permission, no permission to drive your vehicle. 
So we are driving around the island. We are stopping in every constituency. We have to take it to Shasti. We have to take it to him. Enough is enough. Salusha, are you ready? And if you are not ready, you have to get ready by this Sunday as we go on a chasne must go around the island drive. We can call it motorcade. We can call it whistle stop. But if chasne and them can do what they're doing, we definitely can move around the country. Nothing can stop us from driving UWPs, labor, wear your national colors. Don't, I don't want Labour Party people to be intimidated away with everybody wearing yellow or UWPs to be intimidated by everybody wearing red. Wear your national colours. Wear your black, wear your white, wear your whatever. Come, get in your car. This isn't something where the elder need to, need to worry about marching. We have a call. Good afternoon. Hello. Hello. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Chris. Are you ready to Are you ready to go around the island? You know, always ready, Sunday? always ready. To, Chris, you are you to going that. to be with us? We we assembling. Why not? Why not? We assembling the you. market from ten o'clock in the morning, right? What day? What day do? Sunday. This coming Sunday. Oh, this coming right, Sunday. We are going to assemble outside the market. Vehicles, buses, all well wishers, all patriotic solutions. Whether you support Labour Party, you support UWP, as long as you care about the country, young, old, rich, poor, and we're going to drive all around the island, stopping in every single constituency, whether it is a UWP held or Labour Party held constituency, with only one message. It's not even an anti-UWP message. It's not an anti-Labour message. It's a simple message. Chastney must go. We know that for sure. Let me tell you, I was taken aback when I read something this morning mm -hmm. by the General Secretary. In fact, I don't know if he's the General Secretary of the, of the United Workers Party or the Chairman. Mm -hmm. Because I have seen him give, given both, both caps, which is uh, Mr. Oswald Augustine, mm -hmm. actually saying that the Royalton Hotel... And the Harbour Club Hotel were negotiated by Alan Chastney. Well, that's actually just, saying that that's on, on Facebook. It's just factually untrue. I mean, this is a man, uh, five years uh, as Minister of Tourism, couldn't bring one hotel. No, no, no. Right? No, no. Four caller, years caller, caller, as, as, as caller, Prime Minister, caller, couldn't bring caller, a, a, a please, hotel. Please correct yourself. He not only could not bring a hotel, he could he not lost even one. bring a hotel room. Not even an additional hotel room as well as not a full hotel and he but, lost but he also lost the range group yes, hotel yep that cost us millions of dollars in damages both the royalton and harbor club Hub were were from the former administration under dr kenny anthony leon theophilus as minister of tourism and they opened within months of Chastney being in office, within six months. And that even helped drop the unemployment figures because 950 jobs, according to the Economic and Social Review, were, were brought in. So the Labour Party actually contributed to Chastney's initial having a dip for at right, least the 2017 a um, um, economic um, growth, right? Yeah, not growth, but the, but the, the drop in, in the unemployment rate and right, thank economic you. growth. Yeah, but you see, facts don't matter. It's the, same, it's the same people that literally tell you they have 200 achievements, which includes sword turning. Starting a project is now considered an achievement. That's how, that's how bad the sophistry is. But folks, this Sunday, the call is, you don't have to like me. 
You don't have to like Richard Frederick. You don't have to like whether it is Labour Party MPs, UWP MPs. I wish Stevenson King would come. I wish Bradley would grow a spine and come. I wish all of the MPs that failed when it came to the Cabinet of Ministers, that failed to put Chastney and Guy out of commission when it came down to the, the motion of no confidence, would grow some backbone in the face of the suffering of their people. And let us all come. And if we do, my father had the largest motorcade in St. Lucia's history in like 1991. Started, vehicles were coming through from Anse Galley before canneries. And my father was at the head coming around Viewfort to where the ugly mug is. That's half the island gone there in a motorcade. Let's try to do something like that. Because if there's one thing that instills fear in a politician, it's numbers. Numbers of vehicles, come with your vehicle, come if you don't have a vehicle, get in mine, get in whoever's. Let us go down. We are not anti St. Lucia, we are not anti Labour, we are not anti UWP, we're not anti anything except Chastney being Prime Minister. If he wants to live here, if he wants to work here, fine. If he was even a senator or something like before, that's acceptable. I mean, you have Jimmy Henry, so you can have people with limited capacity um, as senators. That, that, that's nothing new. But at the end of the day, not as Prime Minister. Neither he nor his Prime Minister guy should be in the same position that they're in right now. So this coming Sunday, get ready. We're going around the island. And look, this is not just not like a march or protest. We, we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun. We're going to remember what it is to be St. Lucian. Nothing more St. Lucian than going around the island and connecting with all the other people who have been stagnated and suffering. So please, let's do this. Let's stand. Let's rise in peaceful, peaceful moving and matriculation around the country. And let us show that St. Lucians are ready. That we are ready. I'll leave you with a clip for the people of Miku South. Shasne is telling you, I'm leaving you with this clip, that even though he can do nothing about fisheries, nothing for the fishermen, nothing for the farmers, they cannot get paid the money that is owed to them. Fisheries cannot get a rebate up to now, and no, no, no um, lessening of the gas or exemption for them. And a community which is predicated primarily on farming and fishing, that has, still has water problems. But Chastney is telling you that if you vote for him again, and once again, do not vote for a son of the soil like Gibo, Gibeon Ferdinand, who has been with you, helping your children, coaching them, been a principal of school, a FIFA level, um, football administrator, teaching cricket to everybody, and including the likes of working with people like Darren Sami back in the day, to now. That right now they're going to give you, Chastney doesn't care about any of that. You're going to vote for him again. And when you vote for him, you're going to get a water park in Bosham. What I'm trying <laughs> to say to you is sometimes you see those projects and, you know, people always put them together and say that, you know, election, because election is coming and all that. Yeah. And I know you didn't even have time to talk about your constituency. Next time, I hope when you come in. Well, you have to come down. I, you know, I really big up to them. Yeah. They're going to have a first water park wow. um, in St. Lucia in, in, uh, in Bosham. Yeah. I'm yeah. very, very excited.
the opinions expressed on this TV program by the hosts, co-hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions and responsibility of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of UTV or its affiliates.